Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Dungeon of Doom, the host NFL Draft Edition. You've got two Lions beat writers here who have survived for better or worse. Ben Raven joins us post-COVID, which, Ben, so correct me if I'm wrong, you got the diagnosis on day one of the draft, right? I started feeling bad Wednesday. My mom called me Wednesday night. She tested positive. I met her for a lunch the Saturday before the draft. And I was like, oh, sweet, awesome. Went in- door dashed two COVID tests Thursday morning just to be a good boy and both of them popped positive so just uh yeah symptomatic COVID during the NFL draft but hey thank god I was well versed on zoom drafts and stuff like that because my god <laughs> it was it was a long week it was a long I don't know four months but um, we made it through Ben you know the Lions are they've welcomed it, it's just weird to see them getting as much love as they have, I guess is, is what I'm trying to say. This, this draft, I, I mean, I've seen some A pluses, I think, Pro Football Focus, which is a pretty good resource out there for the advanced analytics. A plus on the Lions draft. I think they're one of three or four teams with that kind of grade. And hey, you you won't meet someone who puts less stock in draft grades than myself. I, I, I mean, I've refused for years. I've refused for so long to do draft grades that my editor doesn't even ask me to do them anymore, thankfully. I'm, All right. Shout, shout out, Bryn. I appreciate it. I, I just think they're so meaningless. They're an exercise meant ex- exclusively for page views and content creation. They don't mean anything. No one, no one's seen that these guys, these guys practice and has any idea how good they are, let alone like the roles they'll fill for these teams and how they fit in. It's, it, it's just an exercise in futility, in my opinion. But that being said, there's a lot of love for what the Lions have done and how these pieces fit into the team. Aiden Hutchinson with the second overall pick was such a natural fit. I think saw it coming if, if he was still on the board, which he was, and, and that was the Lions' excitement because he was number one on their board. The trade-up for Jamison Williams in, in the first round, a lot of people like it for the talent. And some people question it for the the you know the price they paid. But if you go down the the, the draft, Ben, like you got a offensive playmaker for you know for that that passing game and Jameson Williams, one of the fastest receivers in the country. I mean, he's faster than every guy in the NFL last season. And then on defense, you get six guys, which is the most in in the you know in the seven draft era for the Lions. Three of them pass rushers. You know, they got some firepower to really go after some of the weaknesses in, in this in this roster with the deep passing game on offense and the pass rush on defense. Just curious before we get into our, our guests here today, what were your overall impressions of of what the Lions did in the draft? I'm really, really impressed. I mean, just in terms of filling what this team needed, what we all kind of felt they needed. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson, arguably the best player in the draft. They get him. He's a fit. Exactly what they needed for that defense. And then 
I mean, I get some of the concerns with trading up, especially for a wide receiver, but I think the price that they paid makes that even less so risky. I know it's a, a guy that tore his ACL in the national title game, but like you said, he was recorded at 23 miles an hour on a 94-yard touchdown catch in the opener last year for Alabama. Jonathan Taylor, fastest guy in the NFL last season at 22.13. That, that's, that adds another flavor to this offense. I mean, Kirby Joseph was like my favorite of the non-first-round safeties for that team. 6'8 wingspan, ball hawker. Five picks last year, kind of new full-time safety, so that's a guy there. The one thing I thought they needed to address, even more so maybe than the tight end pick, was a linebacker. But, I mean, when you look at Malcolm Rodriguez as a six-round pick, I mean, you're talking a six-round pick. <laughs> There's a lot to like about that six-round pick. I mean, the size concerns are the things about his game. But we liked, we liked last year's class. This year's class just felt like Brad Holmes was comfortable in what he wanted to do, I felt like, and just, gosh, I mean... I, I've got no qualms. You know, the only thing I could really pick at is the lack of the linebacker improvement this offseason, and that's really it. Yeah, linebackers are glaring need. I think they're banking on the improvements in the defensive line with four earlier on draft picks over the last two years, really weaponizing that thing and making life easier for the linebackers. Hey, maybe they're right. I question whether it'll be enough this year. But you can't address all your needs in a single offseason when you're a team like the Lions that was driven into the ground by the last regime. You know, two off seasons probably aren't enough. And this was always going to be a long-term rebuild. So in the scope of all of that, linebacker, I, I think is at the top of the list uh, for the both of us when it comes to the weaknesses of this team. But I did like that they meaningfully went after some of the other deficiencies on the, on the roster. And we'll get to the pass rush in a second with our panel. So, you know, we don't really need to address that. I also really like what they did in the deep passing game. Look around the league. Look at what these receivers are making. Look at what Christian Kirk is mm. making. It's insane money. I'm on Ross St. Brown was just asked this week <laughs> what he thinks when uh, he sees these contracts going out to guys like Christian Kirk. And he just said, man, I'm glad to be a receiver. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good line. <laughs> so good. His timing was so good. I'm not even doing it justice, but it speaks to the craziness that is happening at that position. It's the new position of value in the league. We all know about pass rushers. We all know about Obviously, quarterbacks and, and pass protectors, those are the big money positions. Receiver is right there these days. And the Lions found a short-term solution that we both like in DJ Chark, but that's a short-term solution for one year. And next year, you'll be in the same spot that you are right now. Because of the ACL injury to Jamison Williams, he was still there at 12. And I love the aggression to go up and get who I think is the best receiver in the draft. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what the line on the Lions board, they had Jamison Williams number one as well in terms of the talent. And you went out and got him. He's the fastest guy in the draft, one of the fastest receivers in the NFL the day he steps foot in that building with, with two healthy knees. And you got him in the, in, at 12th. And I get that giving away draft picks at this stage of the rebuild. I mean, you're taking bullets out of the chamber for a team that has so many deficiencies. So I get it. And I, I understand people who have qualms or reservations about the price they paid, but I don't. Like this game, like you need a, a good roster to win this league, but more than anything, you need mismatches. You need, you need guys who can create mismatches. You need game breakers. That's the word that we've heard from Brad Holmes over and over. And you can't just go out and buy those guys in free agency usually. And if you do it at receiver, it's going to cost you $200 million soon enough. And the Lions were able to do it with, with Jamison Williams by, I think, a pretty reasonable price in the in terms of the trade i think they gave up like a third round pick effectively to move up in the in the first and the second i like it ben and they got a guy who can take a top off defense i mean he was just watching him at alabama last year one of my favorite players in college football to watch he is so fast he's one of those rare guys who even on a, on a field with a defense like georgia he's the fastest guy out there and runs away from everything 
that is fun to watch. You put them into a, an offense that already has the support system in place to set them up for success because you have a, another field stretcher in Chark. You've got a good possession guy and a really good possession guy in Amon Ross Brown, TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift, offensive line totally intact. I love that pick. I love that pick for the Lions and, and what they already had. And I love Jamison Williams' fit into it. That was, I, I really enjoyed that move from Brad Holmes. And I think it's going to pay a lot of dividends going forward because you have that game breaker on offense that you didn't and, and you didn't before. It was going to cost you a hell of a lot to do it, you know, in free agency. No, I know. And I mean, the thing that really just deleted any concerns with that aggression was getting pick 46 back in that trade. I mean, once the second you get a high second round pick back in that trade to move up to 12, this team doesn't get better without playmakers like Jamison Williams. I mean, guys like that are what is going to take this thing to the next step. I mean, say what you will about Jared Goff or not, but that's the type of guy that Goff has had a lot of success with before. I mean, look at his season with Brandon Cooks three or four years ago. Jameis Williams obviously projects as a different beast than that. I mean, I, my favorite my favorite comparison for any Lions draftee was pro football focus calling him a taller Deshaun Jackson. That sounds pretty good. I mean, 79 catches, 1,500 yards, 15 touchdowns, a ridiculous 9.3 yards after the catch per catch. That's what this offense needed. Brad Holmes saw it. He was on the board at 12 went up and got him. I mean, that's that's what you want to see out of your young general manager. The, you know, the pivot point of this draft class was on defense and, and especially in the pass rush. I think we all expected if Aiden Hutchinson was there, he was going to be the pick and he, he was. There was no real surprise there, even with Kayvon Thibodeau and some other guys on the board. I think what the surprise was, Ben, was coming back in the second round and taking Josh Pascal, pass rusher out of Kentucky. Not a lot of production, you know, not huge size. Did test really well at the combine, though, and uh, brings a different flavor to the to the defense. And then they come back later in the draft as well in the sixth round with James Houston out of Jackson State. But with his size, I think he's about 240 pounds. He's probably going to play outside linebacker, you know, off the ball. Versus on the edge, which is what he did at Jackson State. So it's really, I mean, we had, they had two true edges in Pascal and Hutchinson, two very different players. We've got a little panel assembled here to break these two guys down and how they kind of compare to each other. Guys who have covered these guys throughout their years in college, which is always an insight I really appreciate. You just get so much more of the of the granular analysis beyond just the box score. So let's get to that. We've got Aaron McMahon from MLive. Macaulay Gavars, who covered Michigan, and then we'll move on to Kentucky. Here's our, our interview with, with Aaron McMahon. Okay, Ben, we got friend of the program, and I'm not just saying that because the same people sign our paychecks, but Aaron McMahon, the Michigan beat writer for MLive, is joining us to break down some Aiden Hutchinson. Aaron is, is back from Jamaica, right, Aaron? Correct, yes. Spent a nice long weekend down there. <laughs> Although it's heating up here. It's heating up here, so I can't complain too much. It's like 80 degrees while we're recording. Exactly. Can't, can't complain. Aiden Hutchinson, one of the favorites, I think, for, you know, for the Lions throughout this process. I think the only real, like, valid reason, I think, throughout the whole cycle that the Lions wouldn't take him is if he wasn't there. And that was maybe an expectation along the way. And then at the end, Trayvon Walker kind of surpassed him as the favorite to go to Jacksonville. And indeed, that's what happened. Lions went with Aiden Hutchinson over Kayvon Thibodeau and some other pass rushers. So I guess, Aaron, I, I think a lot of our you know listeners and readers are, are familiar with the name, just given where he played. What can you tell us, you know, what the Lions are getting in Aiden Hutchinson, you know, beyond the box score? I mean, the 14 sacks speak for themselves and all this other stuff we see a lot about what what can Lions fans expect from Aiden Hutchinson beyond that? Yeah, he's an intriguing guy just because he hasn't really left the state of Michigan. I mean, he grew up in Plymouth, 
played at Dearborn Divine Child in high school, played at Michigan, as we all know, and he's going to play his professional, at least his first year, at least, or you know, first couple of years in Detroit. So he's interesting in that he just hasn't left the state. But from a, I guess, off the field perspective, he's basically everything you see. I mean, he's not an outwardly outgoing guy. Uh, he doesn't have this wild story like maybe some of these other prospects have. He's just a, a kid who was raised by a father who played football, a mother who was heavily involved. He had two you know, heavily supportive sisters. So he's a very, very family guy. And I think Jim Harbaugh put it perfectly, I think this past year when he was getting asked by Aiden Hutchinson and he was lobbying for Aiden to go number one in the NFL draft when he said Aiden Hutchinson is like a, a, a clear baggie. He's as transparent as they come. You know what you're getting out of him and everything you read and hear about. I mean, he does, like I said, he doesn't have this crazy story. You know, he's just a football guy who played football at a young age, got very good at it. He's a hell of an athlete, hard worker. All three of us went down to Indy for the NFL Combine back in March. I think we all came out of there thinking if he was available for the Lions, the Lions are going to take him at number two just because he fits the mold, it seems like, of what Dan Campbell is trying to do there. So he, he fits, I think, the the Lions' identity to a T. And, and I think that what, what you see and what you hear out of Aiden Hutchinson is, is is what you get. A lot of times, like you're talking about a guy that played his high school ball here, grew up here, played his college ball here. A lot of times when you talk about the NFL draft, it's kind of like negatively talked about, like, oh, crap, he's going to have all the stuff. Like, no concerns from you on that at all. Like, I mean, I haven't read a single concern about that just because, like you said, it just seems like he's a down-to-earth family guy that likes playing football and going home and chilling with his loved ones. Is that a, I mean, is that an accurate read on that right there? 100%. You know, and, and at times, you know, you hear negative things about maybe certain players at the college level, whether it's grades or whether there's off-the-field issues or whatever the case may be. There was none of that with Aiden Hutchinson. Now, I can't vouch for his grades, but it sounds like he was a relatively good student. He went to school. None of the assistants had any issues with him ever. I mean, it's rare right, where a kid comes out of high school. He was a high, now keep in mind, he was a highly touted kid. He was a four-star prospect, borderline five. But he saw the field right away as a defensive end. Now, he didn't play start, but he got in the rotation. And by year two at Michigan, he was a starter along the defensive line, which is which is rare. I mean, typically Michigan likes to you know, nurture their guys and kind of bring them along. And by you know, end of year two, early three, they get to see the field and or are starting. That wasn't the case with Aiden Hutchinson. They threw him into the dogs right away. He was behind some some good players, Rashawn Geary, Chase Winovich, you know, NFL draft type guys. I mean, Rashawn went first round as well. But they, I think they saw early on that he was a good player. He had the motor and IQ, I think, to pick up what they were teaching him. And, and that's what you saw. I mean, you saw a guy who played early on, played a lot, and, and just got better during his, his, you know, his three years at Michigan. We talked to Lions defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn. I mean, maybe, what, Ben, like five, ten minutes after the pick? Yeah. yeah. He, was, he, he was all smiles when he strolled in. You know, I mean, it was, you could tell he was happy with the, with the way that broke down. And I think he was number I, – I really believe that he was number one on the Lions board overall. So they were thrilled when he fell to them. And one of the things Aaron Glenn said about in Hutchinson that jumped out to him, and he was actually texting Dan Campbell one point throughout the draft process because he was so excited about it, was they had gone back to his early film at Michigan, not just from last year, but I think from when he was a freshman, and he played inside more. So Aaron, you were covering the team back then. I guess what have you seen from Aiden Hutchinson in terms of his versatility? Because I think that's how the Lions want to deploy him moving him inside on, on pass rushing downs, on pass rushing situations on third down and so forth, and then maybe just his growth through his years on the field of Michigan. Yeah, he started, as you mentioned, hand, hand in the dirt, more interior up front, and I think that was a ploy by Michigan then defensive corner Don Brown to get him on the field more. I mean, they, they realized he probably couldn't play the edge right away 
Plus, Michigan had some very talented guys ahead of him in, in the depth chart, so it was a way to get him out of the field. And yeah, I think it just speaks to his versatility. He he showed that he could play that position right away. He showed that he can he can you know, create issues. He had some production there. And then as time went on, as as he got older at Michigan, and as the years went on, he, he for, obviously moved further to the edge. He was at he was a traditional defensive end year two starting, and then as as most folks know. His final year at Michigan, he was more of kind of like a, a three, four outside linebacker, hand off the dirt, more pass rushing. And that's kind of where he had all that production this past year. He, he kind of thrived. But yeah, he's done it all. I mean, and he's done it all well. Now, you, you can make the case he's maybe not as strong again in run stopping situations, but he's not bad at it either. So I, I, he can genuinely, I think, do anything the Lions want him to. And from the sounds of things, it, you guys wrote about it you know, at the combine, but it sounds like they're changing things up with their defensive front. But yeah, he, he could literally slide in anywhere and I think and play right away. Now, I don't know where they plan, plan him. It's obviously you know, more of you guys, but he can do anything. And, and he showed that at Michigan. They like that about him. And uh, I think that certainly suits him well, you know, in his NFL career. No, it's kind of, he's been an interesting prospect to kind of track because like his weaknesses aren't glaring weaknesses, you know? I mean, the biggest knock that kind of got honed in on since the combine was the arm length, you know? It's like the shortest arm length of, mm-hmm. what was it, Kyle? It's like the shortest arm length of basically like anyone starting at edge, right? Something like that. Just kind of like. Yeah, he had the second shortest arms at the yeah. combine and he has the shortest arms of any edge rusher in Detroit. That's right. And just like, I wonder, did that come up in college at all? Like through conversations, I was like, did it ever stick out as a weakness? I guess that, talk talk to anybody concerned about his arm length. No, you never heard it. Now, obviously the college game is a little different than the NFL and you can go up against some maybe bigger, quicker guys, but no, it never came up. And it's funny because it, it, it was made such a big deal at the combine, obviously when, when measurements and, and the things come out. But yeah, you never really hear about those things in college, whether it's small hands with a quarterback or short arms with the with an alignment. No, it, n- it never came up, and it never really seemed to matter just because of his high motor and his his ability to shed blocks and get off and get off tackles and, and the like. Didn't seem to matter. So we'll see if it makes a difference to the NFL level. I, you guys probably speak to that better than me. But when you're going up against bigger, faster guys, I have to think maybe. But you know, knowing his work ethic and his motor and everything else, I don't. It, anticipated affecting him too much but again you know time will tell you know we'll find out pretty quickly I, I think the problem is that we just have too much damn time on our hands between the end of these you know college and pro seasons and the, the start of the draft and now the draft is so popular it's, it's like its own news cycle it's its own monster and people need to feed the beast they need to create content because everyone reads the content and so you pick over every little rock and for an edge rusher that includes arm length for a quarterback that includes hand size i really don't think these things make too much of a difference maybe the kenny pickett hand size thing more than anything but i still think that you're making mountains out of molehills even in that situation certainly the lions thing so you know brad holmes at one point said that the arm length wasn't a concern for Detroit in that, you know, they feel good about it. I think one of the things with Hutchinson they like is that, you know, he has a deep repertoire of pass rush moves for a, a college guy that I think gave him more consistency than a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau who could come in and go in terms of production. And one of the reasons was when you stood up Kayvon, you know, with his initial rush, he didn't have a lot of like, you know, counter moves to go to, whereas Hutchinson maybe had a deeper bag of tricks. Can you speak to that, Aaron? Do you, I mean, what, what did you see from Hutchinson in terms of, you know, just technique and the the pass rush moves he likes to rely on? Yeah, he does. And I think part of that is obviously having a, a dad who played in the NFL and played at Michigan. He's kind of always been surrounded by football guys he had you know two different defensive line coaches at michigan during his tenure technically and they had an analyst the third this past year that i think worked with him quite a bit he's now with the baltimore ravens so i I think 
Aiden's been surrounded by a lot of NFL caliber players, and and that doesn't even account the guys that, that were before him, as I mentioned earlier, like the Rashawn Garys and Chase Winoviches. So he's exposed, I think, to a lot of folks, different techniques and you know work work ethic and and processes and the like. And I think it's IQ. He's very good at, at I think, you know, he's it was almost like a sponge. You know, he likes to, he likes to soak in a lot of stuff. I think he learns a lot. He takes a lot of stuff from different folks, and it, it, it implies it to his game. And I think you saw that really ex- come out this past year, just in terms of everything he was able to do on the field, thrown into a different position, something he wanted to do, and he excelled at it. And part of that was his technique and, and some of the moves he was able to throw on some of these these other teams. Because if you go down his stat line, you know, this past year in Michigan, some of his most productive games were against some of the Big Ten's best teams. Ohio State, Penn State. He had a really good game early in the year against Washington. I mean, those aren't Mac schools. Those aren't Sunbelt schools. Those are some of the best teams in the country. They were Most of them are ranked. I mean, Ohio State was considered to be the Big Ten favorite at that point. So it's not like he didn't put up stats against, against weak teams. Now, he did have some not-so-great moments. He didn't do a ton against Georgia in the playoff. He did okay against Iowa in the Big Ten title, but didn't have that cra- crazy good game. But it just goes to show, I, I think he can play against some of the best from a competitive, competitor standpoint. He can play against some of the best players. And, and I think it goes to show just his upbringing and, and all the folks he was exposed to. How, how much different is he? I mean, we talk about us, Rashawn Gary. I mean, I mean, Gary had himself a quite breakout season last season, first round pick, like you said. Like, I mean, when you're watching Michigan, like how much more does a guy like Hutchinson stick out when you like look back at those guys? Like what makes this guy just like stick out, I guess? Like we'll just, you know. It, it, I'm glad you brought that up because he, as the season went on this past year, it, it, it dawned on my head, he reminded me of the mix of and Rashawn Gary because Rashawn had more of the pass rush moves and more of those, you know, di- those different counters and the like. And that's what I think Aiden really adopted this past year, year and a half after his, his injury. But he had the motor to chase one of it, someone who like wouldn't stop, wouldn't take a playoff. He didn't want to come out of the game, but he would do whatever was asked. He was trying to win. He was a good leader. So it was really much a combination, I thought, of those two guys. And, and if you if you go back in the last four or five years, really in the, in the tenure of Jim Harbaugh, those are probably two of the best edge rushers to come out of Michigan. So it, it goes back to, I think, it's versatility. It can do it all. I, I really believe that. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why so many NFL teams coveted him so much. I mean, it seems like the name of the game, especially in the last decade in the NFL and getting to the NFL is versatility and not being able, not boxed into one position, not being able to do just one thing. And, and I think that's what makes Aiden Hutchinson so special. He can do all those things and excel at them and, and, and has the production and the numbers to back it up. We've talked quite a bit about what he can do. And we dispelled maybe one of the, I don't know, weaknesses, perceived weaknesses of his of him as a prospect with the arm length. I'm just curious, Aaron. I mean, you know, with Hutchinson coming to the league, no one's a finished product. So with Aiden Hutchinson, where does he need to improve in his game to make it at the next level, to have that kind of impact. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that I, I always go to is probably just improving the run game. Maybe instinctually, he's not con- considered a, a top-of-the-line guy there. But, again, it's hard to knock him because, like, he wasn't bad either. You know, he's still, I think, at possible situation, especially this past year, he was the best defensive lineman in the field for Michigan. And that, and that's no knock on anyone else. I mean, they had David Jabo, another top-edge rusher. They had some, they had some solid defensive tackles. But it, probably in the in the run game, and I think I told you guys this last time, and that's probably the one knock on him. But I I don't foresee it being a net negative either. I, I think if you're surrounded by some quality guys, on whether it's you know linebacker, defensive tackle, I think it'd be just fine. I just in the run game, I just don't know if he can be that breakout guy who can 
who can get, maybe go left or right very quickly to, to stop a tackle. So we'll see. The run game is that. I, I think he, he excels in every every other situation. I think his counter moves are fantastic. He, he's very good at getting the quarterback. He's, he's he, I think, a good leader. So, But yeah, the run game is the one question mark, I, I think, with, with him. We're bumping up against on the clock, so I'll get you out of here with this. You know, the, the, the motor on Aiden Hutchinson is a big thing you hear about. It's a big reason why he was perceived to be a, you know, a Dan Campbell kind of guy. The Lions talk a lot about it when they took him in, in the draft. And it's something that jumps out on film, but I guess maybe it's something that is better understood when you're around in the trenches every day, like you've been. So I guess what perspective do you have either, you know, on things you've seen or heard in terms, just, just in terms of the motor, what separates the motor from maybe some of the other, you know, top prospects you see come out of college football? Jim Arbaugh told it best to us in the lead up to last season, before fall camp got underway, before the Michigan season even began last year. He, Aiden Hutchinson went to Michigan's training staff during last summer and basically said, ring me out every single day I come in here. Don't let me get out of here without you know, me breaking some PR or doing something incredible. And, and they generally meant it. it, it you, in fact, you can go back and probably Bruce Feldman, the athletic, wrote a story about it last summer. And it, I think the video was up on YouTube. But they have a video of Aiden doing a Turkish get-up. And for those of you that don't know what that is, you're basically laying on the ground with a 135-pound bench press, and there are no, like, arms at the end of the, the bench press. So the weights are there. So no collars, I guess they call them. So he had to go from being laid down on the ground to sitting up to standing up with this thing without dropping it or letting the, the bells fall off. And he did it exceptionally well like it, you can go find the, the videos on youtube i know that it's pretty incredible to watch but he was trying to do different things every day he was trying to push himself to the limit now part of that i think was him trying to show that he you know he was fully healed from his ankle injury last year and there was no issues but it was also him realizing it was his final year at michigan because he was going to come out of the nfl no matter what and you know he wanted to be the best that he could be and he obviously wanted to win at michigan so i i think his his motor last year, just the stories Jim Arbaugh told of him being in the weight room every single day and pushing himself. I mean, he never went home. He, they said he was in Schimbeckler Hall every day doing stuff. So it just goes to show, I think if he's he's motivated and there's a reason for him, for him to get better, he's going to. And at this point, you know, him, you know, given the huge deal that he just signed, the expectations placed upon him by the Lions organization, Detroit, I see no reason why, you know, he his, his ceiling isn't going to be sky high. And I know folks talk about maybe his ceiling isn't as high as some of the prospects, whether Thibodeau or whoever. But, I mean, it, as long as he stays healthy and he's available, he's going to be on the field like, for a, a long time for the Lions organization. You know, I've done enough CrossFit uh, back in my day. With I've done Turkish get-ups with 35-pound weights. <laughs> And it's insane. So mm -hmm. 135 doesn't really compute for my mortal brain. I The funny thing is when it first came out, I'm like, I'm like I had no idea. And I'm sure most people don't know what it is. So yeah. you'd like, you know, do a Google search or whatever for it. I'm watching this video. I'm just like mesmerized. I'm like, I had to watch it like three <laughs> times. If you've never seen it, I highly encourage you to go, to go find it. Just search Aiden Hutchinson Turkish Get Up. It's it's out there. Insane stuff. Good stuff, Aaron. Uh, appreciate your insights. Take care, man. I'm sure we'll, we'll catch up soon. Yep. Thanks, guys. Okay, Ben, we have just wrapped up you know, a nice one with, with Aaron breaking down one pass rusher for, for Detroit. We moved to the second round of the draft where the Lions added another pass rusher and Josh Pascal, really fine player from Kentucky, played a lot on the outside. He moved inside a little bit, much like Hayden, but they're very different players to help us break down maybe some of the you know similarities and contrasts there. Uh, we got Josh Moore with us, Kentucky football beat writer for Kentucky.com. Josh, how you doing? Well, guys, I appreciate you having me. It's a pleasure to 
talk about anybody named Josh most of the time. <laughs> Josh, Joshua, every way. We just went on you know, off air for about 10 minutes on me. <laughs> Josh, what can you tell us about Josh you know, that you've seen over the years in terms of, you know, just, just what, what are the, I mean, we've seen the stats and what he's done and, and certainly the, the three years as a, as a captain is impressive, but I guess, what can you say about Josh Pascal and what the lines are getting in him beyond, you know, what we can see in the box score. The box score stuff is good. And I think you, you certainly, you know, that's, that's obviously an equation that you're, you're worried about when you're trying to draft a guy and figure all that stuff out. But for me, it's when it comes to Josh Pascal, the person overshadows the player. And I, and that sounds corny or might be kind of cliche you know, that gets thrown around a lot. And I'm sure it's true for a lot of guys that it gets talked about, but, but when you just, and, and even, you know, I'm sure we'll get into his story a little bit with, with the cancer diagnosis and everything. But even if you just remove that from the equation, if you just take that out of his story, just the, his demeanor and the way he kind of just goes about, you know, in you know public settings, when he's with media, it's, he's just a guy that really, you, you can see really quickly why he would be someone that would earn that distinction of being a three-time captain that as far as the records go back in UK history. Uh, a guy that just really takes command of a room and, and speaks, you know, he's not a raw, raw guy. I wouldn't, or at least he doesn't demonstrate that necessarily outwardly as he's not very bombastic. He's not one of these guys that is really loud, but, but he, you know, he's, he speaks softly. I guess he's one of these, what you speak softly, but carry a big stick or whatever. That might be the kind of way I describe Josh Pascal. He's, he's somebody that, you know, you feel his presence, even though, uh, you might not hear it. No, and that's, I mean, one of the first things the Lions general manager Brad Holmes said after drafting him is just like, when you talk to this guy's teammates and his coaches, you just get a different tune. Here it is right here, a different tune, a different feedback than you're used to hearing about college prospects. So it's just like, I mean, that was one of those quotes that really stuck out to me. So it's just like, you hear three-time captain, like you said, the cancer surviving stuff. I mean, how does this guy compare to other college players? It just sounds like even Brad Holmes explained him that this kid is just like eons ahead of him in his like maturity and development as like a human being. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, going through the cancer that, you know, that he went through a year of immunotherapy and, and, and obviously you know, a few surgeries to kind of get that grafted out off his foot and, and to put, uh, you know, the skin back, you know, that I, I'm sure that played a factor into that process because it's something, you know, I mean, he's what well, he was a freshman. He played as a true freshman at UK. He was probably going to start at outside linebacker that second year on campus, if not for that diagnosis. And, you know, I mean, he was only playing there because they're like, they had a pretty good end. This guy named Josh Allen and, and just, but they wanted him on the field too. They, they, you know, Pascal was a good enough talent that they thought he needed to be on the field as well. So they were putting him at outside linebacker and, and then they found the, the, the cancer. But I think going through that is something that, you know, it sort of puts you in this space where you have to kind of go, you're in, you, you have to introspect a lot, right? You're having to really reflect on your career. And, and, and also, and I think, you know, he, I don't know that he's said this or, or, you know, so I don't want to put words in his mouth necessarily, but I would think when you're going through something like that, just as a person, it starts messing with your identity a little bit. Like, you know, you're for so long, you're this hopped up four-star recruit footballs is so wrapped up in your identity. And something like that happens, you don't know what the outcome of it is going to be. It might be the you might have the last time you played football might have that last season. I mean, it really will very well could have been the case, depending on how it goes. You just never know when you go under a knife what's going to happen. And and for that, I think for, to to process that as a you know, I'm 31 to process that as a 31 year old man would be difficult. I can't imagine being 19 and having to experience something like that. He clearly handled it, you know 
with as much resolve as you possibly could in a situation like that. And I think that, that probably speaks, if you're trying to kind of pinpoint where that comes from, I would imagine going through that experience had a lot to, to do with his maturation. Not to uh, belabor the, you know, the cancer diagnosis too much, but just want to follow up on that. It sounds like Josh, you were on the beat when, when Josh Pascal was going through that. Yeah. So I took over the beat from, from a woman that her name is Jen Smith. She covered the, that, that season that he, that the diagnosis happened and the, you know, the 2018 year that he kind of came back and played a little bit towards the end of that year. But the first year, so his first full year back from that was my first year on the beat. Okay. And you could tell, you know, he, he started, he was able to come back and was, it was good enough to start, but you could tell there just was something lacking there in terms of the, you know, just the, the, it, I mean, it just took a while to kind of get back in game shape. You, you, you're, you don't really play football in two years, really uh, almost that it kind of just takes a while to get back up in that game shape and the reps and, and all that. And, but you could tell by the end of that season, I remember sitting at a table, it was at the belt bowl in Charlotte at a table with him at a hotel and, you know, just kind of doing the kind of the media stuff. And, and, you know, he talked a lot about like, you know, how he needed to be better. And, and, and this was a guy that, you know, he probably that year, I don't know how that's in front of me. He was probably like statistically one of the second or third best defenders on the team still that year. And he's talking about, he needs to step it up and be a better player. And, and all this stuff and and you know so you get to that point that year and then going into the 2020 season it's it's it starts becoming clear you know against an all sec schedule that year that you know this guy's for real he's he's good enough to to really do something at the next level and then comes back in 2021 and 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 it does it again and uh, you know and moves there on the inside and and I think that was the biggest thing for him was going through that and showing that. And I, I still, you know, it still surprises me a little bit to see him go as high as he did. But I think, you know, a lot of it does have to do with what that versatility he sort of has that, you know, he's sort of that tweener spot. I know that's something that sort of, you know, teams kind of get worked up about a little bit. And I don't know what the Lions plans are for there. I know they, they drafted well and, and figured things out. But as far as, you know, that aspect, it's something you can work with. And just the person, though. I mean, the personality. I mean, anytime you can bring a, you know, I think that probably has more to do with him going up the draft board than than his actual what he brought to the field. Because yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of guys like that that fit that description. The, you know, the, the tweener type. You know, somebody who could maybe come in and, and spell some guys on, on certain down situations. The the just the vibe he brings to the locker room, and you, you're just dra- when it comes down to it, you're drafting a guy that you know won't be a problem. <laughs> and I think increasingly. That's something teams really put a premium on because I mean, there's a lot of good football players out there, but you know, not all of them are necessarily good people. And and that's that's you know that's something if that can make a difference. So I, I think it especially did in Josh Pascal's case. Well, you answered my follow up without me even have to ask it, so that that <laughs> I appreciate that, and I'll have to send you a cut of my check. So I, I guess I'll I guess a different follow up, Josh. I, you know, I'm, I think you make a great point about the personality profile. That's something the Lions have targeted, especially early in the draft since they hired Brad Holmes um, last year. And and Josh Pascal fits that in terms of the intangibles. But of course, you got to bring it on the field. And I guess mm-hmm. that's where I want to ask you, you know, about Josh Pascal. You know, I, the Lions are impressed by the, the film, especially in the run game. I think that's where he's probably going to contribute Initially, obviously they like him as a pass rusher and that's, you know, he's going to be expected to do that in the long term. And they've talked about him as an edge rusher, but a guy who can play and hold his own inside. So I guess when it comes to that evaluation from the Lions, like how does it align with the guy that you saw at Kentucky? How do you see him, you know, 
transitioning to the NFL? I think it'll go well for him just because it seemed like everything he was asked to do at Kentucky, he always figured it out. Um, you could see some spots. And I will say this, you know, going back through his time at Kentucky, he played through injury a lot. I mean, I think, and that's a lot of times separates like a really good football player from a great football player is, you know, what can you withstand as far as like, you know, your ankle's a little sore, you're, you know, you, you feel a little bit, you know, your, your hips a little tight, you know, for him, most of his senior season, I believe he was playing through a groin injury or you're just like a sore groin. And, and that was, I think ultimately what kept him out of the, the citrus bowl. But I think if it'd been up to him, if it was hundred percent up to him, he might've played in that game. <laughs> so I think he's just one of these guys that is a gamer and gives it his all. And I think he probably, you know, initially, I think he probably does fit better in that linebacker role kind of coming from the you know, outside and, you know, cause they, you know, the size, I think is something that kind of in the, in the, in his length, maybe concerns you a little bit there on if you're putting him on the inside, but I have little doubt that that's something that, you know, try to meet and meet that challenge if that's asked of him. Cause I just, again, I feel like, you know, I've covered a lot of good players in a short time doing this and, and more talented players there. I think more talented players than Josh Pascal, maybe like even at his position on the team, but it just seems like he kind of rose above that potential and that talent and kind of consistently brought more to the table than you expected. I was just going to say, I, I just kind of want to pick your brain on what kind of pass rusher he is. Cause when you look at the stats, you see 15 tackles for loss, five sacks, but then that like his tweener status and you look at his size and athletic frame and you see that one of the best stop run stop win rates in the country at 12.4%. It's just like, What's it look like when this guy is taking over and playing at his best? I guess is the way I want to phrase that question. When he's at his best, it's very, I mean, he's very athletic. I mean, I think he's deceptively athletic because I don't look at him necessarily and see a guy that's just jumps off the page. Like, I mean, looks like a, you know, a freak. I see, you know, it's, he's more of a standard looking guy, but I mean, there was a game, I, I want to say it was against Florida this past year and he had a blocked field goal. That just seemed like it came out of nowhere. I mean, it was it was just like how I mean, how did he get a hand on the ball? And it, and and it was just a really great play, led to a, I think a touchdown return from another guy, and just has good you know better jump than he looks like he would have. Looks like a guy you know I think he works his angles well, and just you know I don't think he's ever going to overwhelm you necessarily with his speed or size, but just kind of you know I think he's really smart. I mean, I just the way it boils down to it, I think his IQ is really really there. And that, that he does a lot with it and, and kind of plays above what his, again, what his frame might show. The second round of the NFL draft is a, a high spot to take a guy who maybe wasn't the best pass rusher on his own team, the, you know, the best player at his own position. So I, I guess I, you know, every player's got um, weaknesses. We just asked our guy before about Aiden Hutchinson's weaknesses, and he was the second overall pick in the draft. So when it comes to Josh Pascal, where do you see some limitations to his game and where does he have to grow to make a, you know, a successful jump to the NFL? Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely, it's just, I mean, size is probably the, the thing that sort of is, is probably sticks out as the biggest weakness. You know, I'd look against like bigger tackles. I think there's, there's some, some, I mean, that's obviously that goes into the size. I think there's some times he struggled. I don't know. I think there's probably some, something to, you know, when you looked at the games that he really kind of, that I'm talking about where it's like, his athleticism maybe looked better than it is. Some of it, I think, was was maybe boiled down to he just played a little bit more loose. I think there's something to be said for a guy when you're that, when so much of your game kind of boils down to playing smart and playing within the system. 
and knowing where to be, it sometimes can make you more rigid and not be willing to kind of, you know, play a little more loosey goosey at the times when you, you know, maybe you can take advantage of something. I think that's something, Josh, if you maybe kind of played into that more. I mean, that might have been, as a coach, you might not necessarily be excited to, to say that, but I think, you know, if you pick your spots and there's times where you really take advantage of that, and I think that's something that, you know, that might be the biggest thing as far as making him, you know, get from, from going from a good NFL player to like a really, really good NFL player. That might be the thing that for him would be kind of transformative. Good stuff, Josh. We appreciate your insights into one of the more, you know, I think lesser known early round picks the Lions got this year. So uh, appreciate the insights. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I was certainly, I was surprised that he went that high myself. I mean, I was expecting kind of thinking late second, early third. And, and especially after they, you know, take Hutchinson there. I thought, I thought the Lions got the best player in the draft. I thought the number one pick. So I think it worked out for him as far as that goes. Well, it sounds like you could have an office at 222 Republic Drive because that's exactly how the Lions felt too. <laughs> they they loved Hutchinson, but as you can I mean, as you can tell, they loved Josh Pascal as well because they already took a pass rusher and they still took Pascal. They needed a lot of help in the pass rush. And so that's, I mean, they're trying to go after guys of all shapes and sizes. And I think as you've clearly shown, he's a different player than Aiden Hutchinson. And they're going to have different roles in this defense. We'll be interesting to see how he grows into it because he is a little undersized, but, you know, brings a lot to the table, especially in the run game where the Lions have been pretty bad for a number of years. Yeah, I think it'll be fun to see what those two look like together on the field. Because I think Hutchinson's definitely more of your, you know, really brings a lot there on the edge. That I think that, that Pascal honestly probably could compliment pretty well from from the back. So it'll be, you know, interesting to see what they do with those guys. What's up, Josh? Thanks a lot. This has been Ben Raven and Kyle Mikey of MLive's Detroit Lions Beat. Thank you for listening to the Dungeon of Doom, an MLive Detroit Lions podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast, Apple, Spotify, Google. Like I said, wherever you get them and listen to them, make sure to subscribe to the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks again.